<laughs> Welcome to Punditocracy, Lawrence.com's politics and culture podcast. And if you're not listening to this on a brand new iPhone, you are probably poor and unimportant. So we'd prefer that you just not listen to us in the first place. You're blowing our affluent, upwardly mobile demographic that advertisers are willing to pay out of their bleached, waxed, and focus-tested asses for. So if you're not listening to us on an iPhone, or if you're not a celebutant listening to us in prison and or rehab, please return this podcast to iTunes and kill yourself. I'm Gavin, and with us again, again, it's a twofer. Aaron Wiley's joining us again. Aaron, hey, do you have an iPhone yet? Uh, I don't have an iPhone. God, you're a worthless person. I know. Jesus. Everyone knows that your self-worth is determined by gadgets. That's why... I had a Nintendo DS grafted surgically onto my heart, uh, which is very convenient. It acts as a sort of touchscreen pacemaker. So if I ever suffer from an infarction, you can just pop in a copy of uh, Trauma Center and use the stylus to, you know, uh, defibrillate me. That sounds like a wonderful idea. I might need to think about doing that. I'm a Nintendo cyborg. And if you're asking, and if I, those of you out there say, well, okay, Mr. Smarty Pants Elitist Hoity Toity Gadget Guy, do you have an iPhone? I, I say, yes, yes, I do. I got mine three months ago. You know you why? lucky bastard. You know, yes, because I have incriminating photos of Steve Jobs. That's one way to get an iPhone. Yes. I have photos of him where he's not wearing his signature black turtleneck. Well, why didn't you share these pictures with me? Because I wanted an iPhone. Well, all right. Now you need <laughs> that to That defeats the whole purpose of blackmail. Oh, you know, I mean, I pretty much live in the Stone Age. I don't even have a cell phone. That's true. So. You're a fucking Cro-Magnon. <laughs> you need you need your I own think, you need your own Geico commercial. Yeah, I need to I need to first start with a cell phone, and then then maybe I can consider getting an iPhone at some point. <laughs> uh, I have an iPod. See, but, you got one on me. I don't even have an MP3 player. Yeah, because I just steal all of my music from the internet and listen to it on my computer. I don't need I don't need portable. I have a CD player and I have satellite radio. So in a way that goes I guess kind of makes well, me now, a gadget sat- whore. Well, satellite radio is a pretty pretty difty gadget. It's fucking awesome. A lot of people don't have that. It's fucking awesome. Man, it's Terrestrial awesome. radio? It's garbage. Uh, you get to listen to all the right wing talk shows. Yes, and Air so, America. And Air America. <laughs> and Howard Stern. And Howard Stern and Oprah and Friends. Oprah and Friends? Oprah and Friends, XM. Uh, well, along with Ellen DeGeneres. It's really it's more ovaries than I can handle. I'm gonna have to get one now that it, that Oprah. Now that I know that Oprah and friends are on. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I've been subscribe. Waiting, I've been waiting my Sign whole up. life to be able to sit in my car and listen to Oprah. And you know, Aaron, I, I blew right past a beautiful segue when I mentioned the uh, the DS pacemaker, uh, Dick Cheney, swinging Dick Cheney. <laughs> Speaking what is he on of his, cardio infarctions. I think he's on his third pacemaker. Yeah, I, I think Who actually. Who knows what really keeps Dick Cheney alive these days? Uh, kryptonite. Kryptonite? Yes. It's an interesting theory. <laughs> you may be correct on that He's one. He's actually a Metallo from the Superman cartoons. <laughs> and if you get that reference, you're in even worse shape than I thought from listening to us in the first place. Uh, but swinging Dick Cheney. Well, he's more... I don't know, machine than man now. Is that, <laughs> yes. is that the Star Wars quote? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, or am I even you know, I, you know you, if, if we're going the nerd metaphor <laughs> out, it's, it's very difficult to decide whether he's Darth Vader or if he's the Emperor. Uh, because, no, he's the Emperor for yeah, sure. I, yeah, well, but the Darth Vader, like half man, half machine, 
is you know an, an apt physical metaphor, but he's thanks to revelations this week, he's become very clearly the dark Sith Lord behind the machinations of the White House. Uh, for last week, it was revealed that Vice President Dick Cheney was not obeying an executive order, an order, by the way, signed by President Bush himself, requiring executive branch compliance with the National Archives to ensure proper handling of classified information. And we all know that we can trust uh, Dick Cheney's office and Scooter Libby in particular with handling classified information like, you know, uh, covert identities. Uh, But Cheney's response to the National Archives and uh, his own White House's executive order, uh, which was very similar to his courteous comments to Judiciary Chairman Patrick Leahy, was go fuck yourself. And his rationale for that suggested self-fucking was the mind-blowingly idiotic argument that he's not part of the executive branch. <laughs> but in many ways, he's not. Let's be fair here. That, that's true. That's true. However... He's his own little entities, his own little government. I know, but, but the funny so thing... So technically, he really doesn't fall under the executive branch. And you know, I would actually say that he is not part of the executive branch, but he can't have it both ways because just yesterday... The White House counsel has rejected congressional subpoenas, uh, many of which are for the vice president's office, (laughs) on the grounds of, you guessed it, executive privilege. Uh, So, Aaron, I pose this question to you. Which branch of government does Dick Cheney actually belong to? Is it executive? Probably not. Legislative, which he has actually argued because he's president of the Senate. Judiciary? Or is it... Some weird Opus Dei Illuminati branch of Freemasonry that was written into the Constitution with invisible goat blood that only Cheney can see because he has the unblinking eye of Lucifer. <laughs> I think you're probably right on on that one. <laughs> goat blood I, branch. <clears throat> I would think that you can make a legitimate argument that he's part of the legislative branch. Um, I, I would think that the vice president would fall under executive branch. He is the vice president. He is a second in command. Uh, but no, I think that it's very clear at this point that Dick Cheney is part of the Dick Cheney branch. Yeah. I don't know what else you can call it. I mean, it is a shadow presidency. I think that's becoming very clear at this point. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the Supreme Court is going to say about this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I don't, and I think that we're going to, we're honestly fooling ourselves if we think that Dick Cheney is going to give over any of this information. Mm-hmm. And um, just as examples of the shadow presidency, the LA Times had a, huge four-part series about the workings of the Cheney office. And it goes into detail about his energy task force, which which still to this day he will not release who is on that task force, claiming, once again, executive privilege. Well, we'll talk about the oil and environmental aspects of this a little later, because in my opinion, that's kind of the most disturbing part. Now, the domestic spying is pretty bad, too, but... um, his wheelings and dealings with the oil companies, we have no idea. <laughs> yeah, the L.A. Times only scratched What's the surface. Um, I mean, we know that his, Rolling Stone actually just published a very good in-depth investigative article about how deep Cheney's influence was uh, in setting environmental policy. He basically completely overrode well, he, uh, Christy Todd Whitman and yeah, the he, EPA. Yeah, I mean, he said it. He yeah. changed it, yeah. and he changed it the way he wanted it to change it, and we have really no idea how. 
Uh, it actually, actually, it's pretty easy. All this secrecy is, is not really necessary because uh, everyone knows that all he did was bring in a bunch of former lobbyists and CEOs from major energy corporations, including Kenny Boyle from Enron, to help write energy policy. Oh, good old Enron. Yes, may he roast in hell. Um, well, some of us cashed in our Enron stocks at the right time. time. <laughs> and we're very wealthy these days. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> sorry, not saying anything. Okay, uh, same way that Dick Cheney is still profiting off of his Halliburton stock. Um, yeah, but well, yeah. I'm assuming Dick Cheney still pretty much runs Halliburton. Mm. But, uh, and we can also mind. assume that much of the U.S.'s foreign policy, including no big contracts in Iraq, were written by Dick Cheney. And yeah, so you have the Energy Task Force, you have the domestic wiretapping program. In fact, a lot of congressional Democrats assume that Cheney was behind the midnight run to uh, former Attorney General John Ashcroft. (laughs) John Ashcrack. That's a very telling Freudian slip on my part. Uh, But yeah, so the dispatching... Thugs Alberto Gonzalez and Andy Card to an ailing John Ashcroft's hospital bed was more than likely the doing of Dick Cheney's office. Democrats wanted to speak to him about that, and that was partly why they issued subpoenas to the vice president's office, to which Cheney said, go fuck yourself once again. Um, uh, Cheney basically had his own intelligence office in his office in the run-up to the Iraq war yeah, his own little fact, fabricated much of the evidence that was used to sell the well, run-up yeah. to the Iraq no, invasion. I mean, he essentially had his own little CIA that was working behind the scenes and probably probably still yeah. does. Working in cahoots with the Pentagon. Right. Yeah. The domestic spine issue, I think, is where they're really going to try to nail them. I mean, this, this is where, if there has been a crime committed— by the U.S. Constitution, it's going to be here. Oh, yeah. Clear, flagrant violation of federal law. The FISA courts, which were set up in response to executive power grabs by the Nixon White House, pretty explicit that <laughs> Bush and, more importantly, uh, more prominently, Cheney have violated federal law on that count. And Cheney's probably also behind the uh, Gitmo torture policy and on and on and on. So basically, well, I think Rumsfeld had a lot to do with that. Yes, I'm sure they were in cahoots I mean, on that. Let's be fair about that. Yeah, and there are also you even know a, Rumsfeld had his own little shadow government working as well. Yes, so. the the Pentagon had its own intelligence office as well, basically snubbing Colin Powell and the State Department and George Tenet CIA, uh, coming up with their own rationale for war right. and then uh, peddling their broken wares to the United Nations and the world and the American people. But does any of this come as any? major surprise none of this is a shock to anybody who's been paying attention because if you remember this really goes back to in the days after september 11th when it was pretty much openly admitted by the presidency that a shadow government was created to protect the american people in the off chance that i don't know everybody in our government was killed in a horrific nuclear terrorist On September 11th, he had George Bush in an airplane pissing his pants, hopping from airbase to airbase, while Dick Cheney was in an undisclosed bunker issuing orders to shoot down passenger jets. And that's where it it started. Dick Cheney essentially took over over our government. Well, it started over, I think, when Dick Cheney headed up then-candidate Bush's Vice presidential nah, we can. <laughs> task force 
Uh, yeah, Dick Cheney very gallantly offered up his services to try and find George W. Bush a vice president. And who did he find? Himself. Dick Cheney. That's right. <laughs> they don't call him Big Dick for nothing. Um, so, yes, this the Bush presidency has always been a vehicle for Dick Cheney's rather nefarious neoconservative agenda and his really uh, pathological, insidious, criminal uh, instincts for secrecy and operating above, below, and around the Constitution. And so the subpoenas have been issued to try and get right. information from well, Cheney and Bush. Not going to happen. No. Well, and, you know, it seems that this Cheney is kind of is a general point. I mean, he just kind of does whatever he feels like he has to do. Mm. And he will create new laws, work around laws, work around the Constitution in order to do it. How much longer is he going to be able to continue that is going to be the question. Yes. And I think that the Democrats are serious about this this time. And I think that they really have oh, they found are. crimes that they can bring against this, this presidency. The only, and not just Cheney, but Bush as well. The only institution in this country that has lower approval ratings than Congress and the president is the vice president. <laughs> so Cheney is a very easy target. And this four-piece investigative article uh, from the L.A. Times gave them a lot more evidence to work with and a lot more political cover, uh, shedding light on how Cheney's basically making an end run around uh, not just the president, but, you know, uh, every other branch of our democracy. And so they have a very convenient uh, piñata that they can whack at because it's kind of apparent now that Alberto Gonzalez isn't going anywhere. So... They're going to turn their sights on Cheney. And we're and this is great because just in time for the 4th of July, we get to look at the basic foundations of our government. And on this Independence Day, look out for the fireworks because we're heading for a constitutional crisis. Constitution. It is a constitutional it crisis. Is. And I agree that there needs to be a thorough investigation of what's been going on in Dick Cheney's office yep. and in this administration in general. But you know damn well that nothing is going to come out of this. What might happen is that a compromise is going to be reached because the White House doesn't want to risk going into uh, the court system, even though it's a court system that's heavily been stacked in favor of Republicans. And, in fact, any... Yeah, but I'm not sure if that's going to help them this time around. Any investigation that will be enacted to try to prove contempt of Congress, which is what Congress would seek in, uh, in this instance if the White House does not comply with their subpoenas. An investigation into that contempt has to be initiated by the Justice Department, headed by Albert Gonzalez. Gonzalez. And, that and that's why Gonzalez ain't going anywhere. Uh, so... Bush, Rove, Cheney have done a very good job of stacking all of the levers of power in their favor so that no oversight will ever come and that they can uh, flagrantly and fragrantly, because it smells like shit, break the law and the Constitution. And yeah, no hope, no sucker was given to us hoping that maybe if this reached the Supreme Court... Uh, that they would be an impartial uh, adjudicator well, to this. I mean, let's be honest. If it reaches the Supreme Court, <laughs> yeah. if it did, I, and it, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's no way that uh, that this is going to go anywhere. I mean, I think really their policy at this point is that they're just going to wait it out, and they know that they don't have that much longer in office. They're just going to sit on this. The Democrats are going to 
throw their arms in the air and they're going to try to do something, but uh, not nothing's going to come out of this. Look, we all know that Dick Cheney is a bastard criminal. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. And he's a hell of a shot, too. He can shoot an old man in the face at 50 paces. Well, I'm sure that's not the only man he's shot in his life. But, yes, uh, yes. And <laughs> he shot many hot loads into many faces <laughs> in his day. <laughs> uh, but getting back to the Supreme Court, um, yeah, if you're concerned about the court when it was under Rehnquist, Chief Justice, who threw the 2000 election to Bush... Uh, you're going to be sobbing in your hands at the new Roberts-controlled Supreme Court uh, based on the recent string of decisions that were issued by the Justice John Roberts-led court. Uh, well, and we were led to believe yeah. that Roberts was going to be kind he was gonna of a res- more yes. moderate, modest. Modest was the word that was used. Modest conservative yes. who was going to have he's going to observe precedent for the law. Yeah, and he was he was going he was not going to be an activist judge. No. Is what was claimed by him and by a bunch of uh, apologists for him during his hearings. And, oh, what a nice, intelligent, articulate man. He's not like a firebrand conservative with an axe to grind like uh, uh, Scalia, well, for and a lot, Well, and if you remember back, a lot of people were actually kind of satisfied that Roberts was, was being nominated for the Supreme Court. They thought that this was somebody that they could work with, that this was somebody that was not going to go out there try to change everything uh no in a conservative way yeah uh no because we found out this week that uh he basically and his conservative majority overturned brown versus board of education with their uh ruling striking down integration plans in the louisville and seattle school districts uh on top that was the most egregious example but on top of that there are also decisions that rolled back campaign finance reform First Amendment protection for students, abortion rights, and has basically dragged the court ideologically to the right of the Taliban. <laughs> well, it's going to be this way for the next 20 years. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we just had to wait until one, to one of those five dies. And unfortunately, all the geezers are on the liberal side right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so the best that we can hope for you know, to just, restore some balance to the court is if we get a Democratic president. Or uh, a more moderate Republican. Yeah, who nominates somebody who's sane when, say, Ginsburg or Breyer resigns. Right. Well, you know, this this is going to turn out to be the Bush legacy here, reshaping the Supreme Court. I think that 20 years from now, when you look at this, you look back on Bush, too. Yeah. This very well may be what distinguishes him from everybody else. Yes, that and... And I think that in many ways, this is what Bush wanted. Yeah. And he wanted to stack the Supreme Court with these guys. Yes. And he knew that he was going to have two nominees he was going to be able to put in there. The thing of it is, I think that he doesn't really give a shit, um, except he wanted, again, he and Rove in particular, wanted to make sure that they had cronies in the highest levels of government possible to protect well, them I think it goes a little more from any recriminations. Possibly, but I think— And it goes- it's also a gimme to the conservative base, because that's what all of the Republican candidates mm, do. They promise, think- they promise they're conservative. We'll, we'll appoint the right judges. Oh, don't worry. Wink, wink. They'll overturn Roe v. Wade. Because that's even what Giuliani's doing, and he's an abortion rights supporter. <laughs> that's how you curry favor with the Republican base. You promise that you're going to appoint— quote-unquote, strict constructionist judges. And Bush certainly did that with Alito and the new chief justice. Uh, 
Well, Roberts, I had a little bit of hope for. I mean, Alito, we all knew from the very beginning, was going to be a right wing. Just a knuckle dragging right. conservative. Uh, but it's funny that he was the second choice, of course. <laughs> yes. Well, exactly. That. that <laughs> I, yeah, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> what the hell was her first name? I can't even remember. Um, it was uh, uh oh shit, what was her last name? I don't know. <laughs> shit, shit, shit. Uh, this is how irrelevant she is at this point. Uh, uh, it was uh, former counsel to the White Harriet Myers. Harriet Myers. Harriet, Harriet Myers. Yes. Yes. How can we forget Harriet Myers? Basically, oh, what a what basically a Bush's Supreme Court judge. She would basically made. Bush's wet nurse from his Texas governorship days. <laughs> Uh, who got him out of all sorts of legal problems with his failed oil businesses and his DUIs. Uh, Gonzalez helped with that, too. And so Bush has got to throw her up there on the Supreme Court. She has no experience. No, well, she got shot down pretty quick. Yeah, the conservatives went into open revolt. And that's again, proves my point that uh, the conservatives are the one who drive the Supreme Court agenda in the Republican Party. And that's why Bush had to nominate these... uh, Strict constructionist judges. Now, well, yeah, I mean, I think something has to do with that, but uh, and you know, Bush, some, Bush some wanted has, somebody to shield him from the so, law. Yeah, somebody he wanted somebody to shield him from the law, but I think a little bit of it, or most of it, is just his own ideology. I mean, and it all goes back to really one issue, and that's abortion, mm. and which I've never as a born as a born again Christian, and is this man? I, of I still faith. don't buy. He I, you know, wants to overturn it. Roe v. Wade. And I don't think he cares. Is, I don't think he cares about gay oh marriage. I don't think he cares about abortion. All he cares about is his sort of messianic reshaping of the Middle East. I think that's all he cares about. But we were just that's talking, what he's staking his entire presidency But we were on. just talking earlier about how Dick Cheney runs everything. Now, Bush... I don't even think Bush knows what's going on in the No, he doesn't. I think it's becoming very clear at this point. Well, he thinks. He's the decider. He's the decider. It's becoming clear at this point. And we've really known this for several years. But yeah. I think now well, it's been evidence, a joke. But now, but now the evidence is clear, is that he lives in a box. Yeah. He is told a only, box constructed only by what, Cheney. Only what his handlers, yeah. Cheney and whoever else is lurking in, in the own. shadows, Wants him to hear. Yes, he's the decider. And However, he only decides from the menu that Dick Cheney holds exactly. up. Exactly. So Dick Cheney comes in, and Bush, Bush will say, "Yes, I will sign that," <laughs> or "Yes, I agree with that." Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I don't think Bush has the foggiest idea of what is happening, even in Iraq at this point. No, he doesn't. If he knew what was going on he still in Iraq, thinks he can win. If he knew what was really happening on the ground in Iraq, at that's this what point, he thinks. His he would change going the to policies. Yeah, no, but he's told by not just Cheney, but this entire circle of sycophantic neocons like William Pearl and Bill Crystal and all of these freaky, like uh, just crazy ass fascists, basically, who want to reshape the Middle East with military might. Uh, he's told that, oh, thank God Jesus put you in office so that you can help get rid of the Muslim scourge. And that's what he thinks. I, he, I think he genuinely believes that's what he was put into office to do. That he was appointed by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Yes. Yeah. No, I... To kill I, Muslims. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I think that he does think that. He does. I mean, I don't, and, and I agree with you. No, I'm not I sure. I agree with you that he doesn't set the policy. No, no I'm not sure. That's if, what he thinks that he is doing. I'm not sure. But if, Cheney's the one who's driving the policy. I'm not sure if Cheney and the other neocons really believe that. I think they just want Bush to believe that. That might be true, too. But I, I did read a very chilling article that was in Salon.com that basically 
said that recounted this dinner that Bush had with the neocons where they were blowing all sorts of smoke up his ass saying that you're doing the right thing and history is going to judge you as oh, being history. one of the greatest presidents of all time oh, right history. up there with Abraham Lincoln for saving this country and avoiding World War III even though he's going to drag us into World War III. Oh, uh, history will judge George <laughs> W. Bush. Yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah. Uh, there's st- we still have a year and a half for impeachment, and things could get bad enough that it might happen. Um, <laughs> I know that even just like six months ago, we would have thought impossible. But as bad as things are getting for this president well, and in Iraq, it's entirely possible that impeachment might be drawn. I'm not saying it would go through, but articles of impeachment might be drawn. And I, as much as I hate to say it, I agree with Dennis Kucinich. Ooh, don't say that. Yeah, that's going to shut her up and down my side. I, although I do agree with him that we should impeach Cheney first. <laughs> because well, if you yeah, impeach let's go Bush, to this, right. that means President Cheney. Yeah. You Even though that's that. what we already have, I know. But you get you remove the tumor first. Right. <laughs> and well, then you treat the larger cancer. Well, I agree that there are a number of issues that we could impeach Bush and Cheney on. Mm-hmm. You know, the crimes... Mm-hmm. We could certainly impeach him on that. But I think Iraq, I think that you could impeach him off the basis of incompetency in mm-hmm. our handling of the war in Iraq. I don't think you necessarily have to find criminal activity while there's while it runs oh, rampant. There's plenty. Oh, there's plenty. I think you could impeach him off that alone. Yeah. And um, I think that it, it's getting to the point where the Republicans are slowly but surely starting to turn on the president. And as I have sort of predicted on this program before, I think it's going to be the end of the summer where you're going to see most of the Republicans turn against Bush's war strategy. And it's already happened. Dick Luger, who's a very prominent centrist Republican in the Senate, uh, has come out and said that he does not support President Bush's policy in Iraq anymore, which is a huge deal because he's one of the more respected, saner foreign policy experts in the Republican Party. And for him to come out well before the magical September deadline Mm -hmm. that uh, nobody believes is actually going to make a whit of difference. No, it's not. Um, Dick Luger's coming, although it would have been nice if he'd come out and said this before the supplemental bill Mm -hmm. was shot down in flames with timelines. Uh, but Dick Luger's come out and said that he doesn't support the president's policy anymore. John Warner has been very vocal about it. Another prominent Republican. Uh, it's it's going to snowball from here. Yeah. Well, and we already and in uh, speaking of Republican defections, but on a completely different front, the immigration bill, which was miraculously, well, it, it's weird the language that all the news stations like it was a zombie that it rose from the grave. And then I actually saw a headline from the AP saying that immigration policy was state. As if through the heart, like it was a vampire. Well, I think it was immigration policy. I think is another issue that is not going to be resolved at all under this president. No, no. Hey, we're going to have to wait and see whoever wins in 2008, whether it be a Democrat or Republican. That's when we're going to start seeing yeah. major policy changes throughout the board. And the, funny, the funny thing about immigration is that immigration was supposed to be like George W. Bush's Nixon in China moment. It's like it, only a conservative like Bush would be able to push through a uh, but, fairly progressive immigration uh, but platform. We've, but we've talked about this before, though. It's so interesting. I mean, this is such an interesting issue that you have people from all over the political spectrum with completely different ideas on this. I mean, yeah. as we talked uh, last time, I mean, you have people on the far right agreeing with people on the far yeah, left for different reasons, but they both for different reasons, but they agree. It, it's very strange, and and immigration is going to continue to be a very. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, well, a debatable issue, I guess we can say, yeah. for many, many years to come. Yeah. I will say one more thing about Iraq. Yes. Why did these Republicans not come out before? I don't know. That's a good question. But I think that there is a general feeling at this point that most Republicans were going to stay loyal to the president on this issue until September. And that if the surge – and the surge was kind of fool's gold to begin with yeah. because you send, what, what was it, 25,000 more troops to Which Iraq? Which just brought the Which troop brought it back up to a level to that we had last that, year. Yeah, that we had last year. When some of the military leaders and people like McCain and some other political figures are saying we need a surge in Iraq, they weren't necessarily saying that we just needed 25,000 <laughs> yeah. soldiers. They were saying that we should have gone in there with – Half a million soldiers to begin with. Yes. The surge needed to be something on scale of that. So the surge was was meant to fail from the beginning because it was never even really a surge. No, it was just meant to run out the clock of Bush's presidency. Right. Bush used what little political capital he had left and what little political bullying skills Karl Rove had left to reframe the debate saying that if you don't support the surge, you support failure, and if that if you want to withdraw troops from Iraq, cutting and running. And if you, um, if you put on timelines uh, on the funding, that means you're just going to leave the troops abandoned in the well, desert with no right. bullets. You, don't, you uh, don't love your country. Yeah, you know, and, and you don't support uh, the troops. That's right. Um, uh, but so, but I, I think in September is when most Republicans are saying, if it doesn't work— that we are done yeah. with Iraq policy. And, Dan and we Luger, are going to try to I – don't, I don't know what they're planning on doing at this point. I mean, you don't support what the president's policy is. I, I'm assuming that they're just going to either suggest withdrawing or they're going to come up with some sort of new military strategy, which – they're going to, it's going to be a form of redeployment. It's basically going to be what uh, Jack Murtha proposed, uh, what, a year and a half ago? <laughs> basically, pull all combat troops well, out. And what the Iraq study group yeah. as well. I mean, and see, here's another example of where Bush lives in a box. I mean, everybody is telling him phase redeployment. Phase redeployment is the only way that we're going to get out of this with any kind of dignity and the only way that we're really going to win, I guess. I mean, we're really losers regardless yeah, we of what lost. we do. We already lost. You know, realistically, there will probably be a, a small amount of U.S. soldiers that will be in Iraq for the next 20 years. And even whether that be for training purposes, whether that be for, I, I don't Special know. Special ops, right. anti-terrorism sort of stuff. But a majority of the troops we need to pull out. Yeah. What did Bush do? The complete opposite. Did put him, put he, more would, in, man. I mean, did he even hear? Double down, motherfucker. Did he, did he even hear these recommendations? He did, and he petulantly spat in their face. Like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm the decider. But he's the one that set up the whole fucking thing. I'm the commander guy. Uh, but yes, Bush's tragic legacy will be Iraq, will be the Supreme Court. Um, and Oh, and it goes far beyond that. I mean, well, and you know. Let's let's take a look at domestic policies. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm serious. He ran in 2004 as, again, this is going to be sort of his, one of his major domestic policy legacies, was he was going to reform Social Security. Yeah. What happened with that? People in his own party didn't even yeah. support him. 
even at the height of his popularity, post September 11th, when he was the when he was still glowing from the rally around the flag effects of the September 11th attacks, and he was a wartime president, even then he still couldn't get uh, social security policy. Well, he couldn't changed. do anything domestically. I mean, no, this never is- could. The, his only domestic uh, real accomplishment was when he pushed through that Medicaid prescription drug boondoggle, yeah, but, but even which that is going was- to cost this country. A trillion dollars in the long run, and it was all just a handout to the pharmaceutical companies, and uh, also tax cuts for the rich. Big, you know, yeah, important domestic policy. Yeah, I guess I, <laughs> I guess I didn't give him credit. Come for that. on, Aaron. Come on. That expires in what 2010. Yeah, and that ain't gonna get renewed. Um, so, okay. well, so, you would you would think it's not gonna get renewed. It's not gonna get renewed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess my point is, is that it's not just failure in Iraq. Yeah, I mean, he, he has done nothing. The in, president, the incalculable damage that this man and this administration have done uh, to our government is ca- it's catastrophic. I mean, he's completely perverted and corrupted every facet of government since he's been here for the past seven years. Well, he's worried, and it's funny. And whoever's whoever's going to be president in 2008, a big majority of their time is going to be spent cleaning up this guy's mess. Probably whoever wins in 2008 will be seen as a failure because I think it's going to take a lot longer than four or eight years, assuming that they might get reelected, to yeah. fix all of the... To clean up Junior's mess. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. So okay, and, and the but you fun- know the funny thing is too is that, you know, Bush is worried about his legacy at this point. I mean, isn't that what he sits around in the White House <laughs> obsessing about? Damn, other people will be writing the books about me. I mean, does he sit there and think I may go down as one of the worst presidents ever, or is, does he sit there and think I'm going to go down as one of the greatest presidents ever because God greatest. put me here? Greatest. And we, you think so? Yeah, he seriously thinks so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And, I mean, he's been confronted with the question that a lot of people say that you're going to be the worst president ever. So, you know, it takes like 40 or 50 years before you can realize the full well, impact I'm, of a president. I'm not sure if he'll go down as the worst. I mean, we've had some pretty bad ones. But he's <laughs> I, definitely— but I'm hard-pressed. I, I, I will Seriously. definitely say the top Hoover? Five. Maybe Hoover would be worse than him? Not sure. Um, but Hoover, I think, was only in office for one term. Uh, Bush has been in office for two, so he had twice as long to do the damage. Uh, Nixon might be worse, but I don't even well, think Nixon, Nixon was worse than Bush. You, <laughs> Nixon, if you look Nixon, at most of his policies, yeah, is fairly I moderate. Say, I mean, liberal. Nixon, Nixon he was just is, a paranoid, creepy guy. Yeah, Nixon at least was able to, uh, you know, do something. I mean, yeah. he did kind of bring us out of Vietnam. He, yeah, he he you ended know, the Vietnam War, even though he escalated it first yeah. <laughs> with the surge. Yeah, with the surge. Which, but damn, hey, hey, at well. least at least he realized at some point that the surge isn't going to work. That's true. He was the one who brought us out. He's the one that normalized relations with China. Not normalized, but opened up relations with He's, China. He gave us Earth Day. Yes. He gave us uh, no Americans Re- with Disabilities Act. No Republican president in the future would ever give us Earth Day. Oh God, no. Fuck no. Um, no, I mean Nixon will go down as one of the worst presidents just because of the criminal activity. I don't think it necessarily he, he was has in, to do he with... He was impeached and he quit. Yeah, so. it, it has nothing really to do with his domestic and foreign. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, I would put up there. I, 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 if anything, I would compare Bush, too, to Lyndon Johnson. I when could it, actually see that because he started an unpopular, unwinnable yes. war. Uh, the only problem is that but Lyndon Johnson the, actually did well, Lyndon a Johnson, tremendous amount on the domestic front. Well, he did. And also Lyndon Johnson, I mean, behind closed doors, agonized... Yeah. Over Vietnam, I, I get mean, a feeling he, that Bush doesn't give a no, whit about it. He does. That's dying in Iraq right now. Okay, and, but and, and, wait, 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 wait. well, but 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, let's let's just wrap up the our little Bush interlude by saying (sighs) that my final conclusion, after looking at the Roberts Court, after looking at the Iraq debacle, after looking at every domestic foreign policy that you could possibly imagine and how tragically failed it is, uh, my final thought (laughs) is that if you still think. There would have been no difference between an Al Gore or a John Kerry presidency and a George W. Bush presidency. You're fucked in the head. Mm, uh, you're not going to hear any disagreements out of me on that issue. Yes, uh, you're a moron, and uh, <laughs> you really should rescind your right to vote. In fact, you probably didn't vote anyway, so shut up. Uh, and well, Okay, and here's my little caveat. Here's my little caveat to that statement. I was a Nader supporter in 2000. Yeah, well, you're one of the reasons why this asshole became president. And you know what? I'm I'm willing to admit that I was wrong. Good. Very I, wrong. Because I remember, <laughs> oh, I remember back in 2000 when, <laughs> when I voted for Gore <laughs> and everybody around me voted for Nader. They were all like, why did you vote for Al Gore? You needed to vote for Nader. And I, I, you know They're what the I same party. You know it's what a I duopoly. Said? You know what I said? What? Because you don't want Bush in office. You know what, Aaron? And you know what? I was you know, right. I had the Aaron, foresight. Aaron, you're a motherfucking prophet. I had the foresight. Prophet. I was, you know. You speak the truth. I do. You should go out on a street corner and scream at trash cans and taxi cabs. Oh, I just, I. Because God flows through you. <laughs> oh, you brought me on the Nader thing. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not doing that right now. We're not doing that right now. Don't go off on the Nader thing. Because we're talking about morons. We're talking about everybody, morons. Everybody in this town supported Nader in 2000. <laughs> and this was back when I was still in college and taking all these political science classes. And all I heard was With Nader, a bunch Nader, of pinko Nader. lefties. Well, and like I, was the the one, I was the Al Gore supporter in some of these classes where I was the ultra-conservative asshole so for supporting Al Gore. Uh, never mind. We're not going to get off. Yeah, okay. Old, old fights. I'll just let me say I'm sorry. You were right. I, I was, was right. wrong. I okay. want everybody. I want everybody to admit to me that they were wrong on the Nader issue. <laughs> yes, please leave comments about how wrong you were if you supported Nader, uh, because you are stupid like me. Uh, but speaking of simpletons, the next Harry Potter book's coming out soon. Oh, who gives a shit? Who gives yeah. a shit? Yeah, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows will be released. On July 21st. Deathly That's almost as good as The Phantom Menace. I know. Uh, Two franchises I hate, by the way, Star Wars and Harry Potter. I just offended 75% of the nerd audience with that statement right there. Uh, You might have. Maybe 100%. 100%. (laughs) Oh, well, you you didn't mention Star Trek, though. I used to watch The Next Generation. I'll cut Star Trek some slack. I kind of uh, like the old ones, so... Uh, I'm not going to get into Star Trek. Right, right. I, I don't want to start yet another flame war in the comments thread. But Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows coming out, and there's been a bit of a stir because the ending has supposedly been leaked online to this final chapter in the Harry Potter saga. Uh, and you know, I just feel, as as a journalist... Is this newsworthy? Yeah, I think it is. Because millions of people have pre-ordered this book, and it's probably got to go down in history as one of the most, if not the most successful book of all time, after the Bible, and maybe that chicken soup for the soul garbage. Maybe it will surpass the Bible. It could. It might be (laughs) in Harry we trust. (laughs) (laughs) But but I I just say, you know what? You know what, audience? I don't care. I'm going to divulge the ending right now. 
You know what you call this? A spoiler alert. You've been warned, people. Okay, here we go. Here's what's been printed yeah, online. And it's ahead. not been confirmed or denied. Ooh. Okay, yeah, you go you go ahead and spoil yes. the ending yeah, for okay. everybody. Okay. For anybody that gives, according according for anybody that cares. Yeah, okay. And and for those of you who do care, uh just mute us for the next Three minutes. And you shouldn't care if you're over the age of 14, but... Yeah. Uh, okay, but that being said, according to this unverified source online who supposedly hacked into the publisher's computer and found a, uh, a copy of it, the final chapter of the Harry Potter saga <laughs> ends with Harry waking up in bed with... with Patrick. Waking up, hold on. Waking up in bed with Patrick Duffy and Uh-oh. and Bob Newhart, describing how he had this really weird, embarrassing dream where he was the star of a series of children's books that way too many adults read. <laughs> That's an awesome ending. And spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to get the book now that I know the ending. <laughs> okay, if everybody's listening right now, okay, spoilers over. It's done. By the way, Hermione dies. Oh, oops! Oh, oh no! Again, mm. who the hell is? Or that? Hagrid dies. What? Or Harry dies. Or maybe J.K. Rowling actually dies. I don't know. She's I, rich you enough. Know, you're she you're actually... spouting off the names of these characters. I have. <laughs> yeah, no you have no idea, idea who we're talking about. Uh, but yes, uh, let's just. Let it be said that it's really embarrassing that so many grown men and women waste their time on children's books. And we know several of them. Yeah, I, I've known many. I, I know many as well. And In fact, it's, it's actually pretty sad how many I know. Yeah, God. And can. they own all the books. They own all the movies. Action uh, figures, uh, toy joy, uh, uh, wands, robes, the, the whole schmear. Although, you know, the new Harry Potter game for the Wii kind of looks fun. Because <laughs> you use the Wii mode. use the Wii mode. As a magic wand. wand. Ooh. <laughs> Levitatum. <laughs> so I might actually buy that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you nerds. <laughs> Yo, know, you're reading your Harry Potter books. We're going to play our Harry Potter video game on the Wii. I'm going to play with Harry Potter. And I'm going to read my Batman comic books because that's manly. I get to play with Harry Potter's wand. <laughs> It'll be a be a great time. Careful that you're, you're broaching into Catholic priest territory. <laughs> oh, <now>. sorry. <laughs> uh, but anyway, while we're on the topic of fantasy, uh, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg thinks he can be president. Why is that a fantasy? <laughs> he can't be president. Oh. He won't be president. Okay, for those who haven't heard, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who was a registered Republican. Uh, oh, but now but, two like, weeks ago, well, hold on. Now two weeks like, ago, left the Republican Party and is uh, claiming to be an independent. Uh, and a lot of people see this as a very blatant move, so that he can run as a third party presidential candidate mm-hmm. in the 2008 elections. And the man is a billionaire. He could self finance. Uh, he already has more money than any of the other candidates could raise combined. Uh, he's relatively popular in New York, so a lot of people think that he might be a viable candidate, uh, but that's garbage. Um, I completely disagree with you on all those points. Um, I think it's very. I, I think it's. I think you are correct. I think it's very clear that he is going to make a presidential run. He, he quit the Republican Party. Now you don't just quit the Republican Party for no reason. Um, 
He's already launched a website outlining his entire platform. I think that he realizes that if there was ever a chance for a third-party independent candidate to win, it would be in 2008. Because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, the general American public is completely fed up with both the Democrats and the Republicans. I mean, George Bush has a low approval rating. But let us not forget that the Democratic Congress has a lower approval rating than the president. So I think that's a pretty good sign that Americans in general are completely frustrated by the partisanship that is going on in Washington. I think what Michael Bloomberg represents clearly at this point is a change from all of that. Somebody that can come in, an independent mind, who can come in and possibly change some of the the issues that are plaguing our country. Here's why he won't be president because no well no, no, why, hold on, hold on, here's hold on. why he could be president all right, all right. he doesn't need 50 percent to win no no he needs a third okay okay here's why he won't and in a poll here's reason. why he won't nah, win nah, the nah, electoral nah, nah, college nah. here's why he won't win the electoral college the electoral college hat okay go ahead here's go why ahead. he won't win the electoral college <laughs> because i i'm just envisioning what his bumper sticker is going to say and it's going to be something along the lines of Bloomberg 08, unmarried like Nader, Jewier than Perot. Oh, now you got to bring the Jew aspect into it. He is an unmarried liberal New York Democrat. He's a Democrat. He was a registered Democrat before he ran for mayor. He's almost to the left of all of the major Democratic presidential candidates. Uh, he's like five foot tall. He's terrible in front of cameras. He will not be able to win any of the southern states. And in fact, he'd be hard pressed to win any of the swing states that are rich in electoral votes. It's not going to happen. Mm, okay. <laughs> I think it's possible. I think if you look at the candidates on both sides, they're, they're all pathetic. The American public, as, I, as I'm restating, is fed up with our current system. That's what I'm saying. It's a long shot. Okay, fine. Bloomberg supports. But if there was ever a chance for a third-party candidate to win, it would be 2008. Here's why he won't win for one one issue and one issue only, is that he is more stringent and tough on gun control yeah, the Republicans than say any that, major candidate at the national level I think ever. it's been quoted by the Republicans that he is the greatest threat to yeah. Oh, he's despised in the South because he's actually using his position as mayor of New York to sue southern states for not enforcing their gun policies to close, like, uh, loopholes in gun enforcement policy because he feels that illegal guns are flooding into New York. But he doesn't need to win the southern states. Uh, He needs to win some of them. (laughs) I I don't know about that. He would need to win Florida, (laughs) at least. Um, And it's just – it won't happen. He's too liberal. Even even if he runs as an independent, but look at but look at a lot of the issues that he's going to be pressing. He's going to be pressing fiscal responsibility. He's going to be pressing social security. But do we reform. want a billionaire? And I don't think a lot of people want a billionaire who will basically but buy I think the that, presidency. But I think that his message is going to appeal to a lot of Americans, especially at this point in our history. I I just don't see it. Um, it I mean, what is his campaign? Uh, rationale basically he's reenacting the plot to the richard pryor 80s comedy brewster's millions remember that one no uh where richard pryor plays a down and out uh baseball player who comes into hundreds of millions of dollars and has to spend them uh all of the money uh by a certain date then he'll get even more millions 
So he decides the easiest way to spend a lot of money is to run a political campaign oh. in which he encourages everyone to vote for none of the above. I see. I think that's – it's basically Brewster's millions just replaced the M with a B, and that's basically the Bloomberg campaign. No. Uh, oh, okay, okay. If you want another film analogy, Citizen, Citizen Kane. All right, all right. Really wealthy guy who apparently had his sled taken away from him when he was a kid and decides that he wants – the American public to love him, so he's going to try to buy their love uh, by running a here a moderate political campaign. Uh, it's, uh, Bloomberg will not be president. In fact, I don't even think he's going to run. I think he may run. I don't know. I think that from what I understand, people close to Bloomberg have pretty much reported that if he feels at some point that there is a weak candidate on either side – which I think, from the Republican standpoint, there's going to be a uh, if Romney candidate. gets the nomination. Yeah. yeah, well, if Romney gets the we'll nomination, we'll discuss him in a second. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that at that point, he's going to decide that there is a chance for him to win. But I think that he he really, I don't think that he will run unless he believes that he can get at least somewhere in the range of twenty to thirty percent of the popular vote. Yeah, um, which he can win. I mean, it's. Theoretically, he can win the presidency. Let's not forget. Let's not 35. forget. Let's not forget that he is a Democrat, all right? Because he was a registered Democrat, well, and, some and he only switched parties and because. Some, and some Democrats are worried that if he runs, that he's going to take more votes away from the Democratic he won't, Party he won't, than he will the he Republican won't, Party. He won't run if he thinks it will put a Republican in office. But he may run if he thinks that he can keep a Republican from getting. I, I don't. I don't see any scenario where that will happen. No. A Democrat's going to win. I think what his major problem is going to be if he does decide to run, is that all of his policy issues are going to be domestic. In 2008, it's all going to be about Iraq, and it's all going to be about reforming our shattered foreign policy. Yeah. And I don't think that he has a foreign policy experience yeah. to – to realistically be able to convince even, the, to be able to convince the American public yeah. to vote for him, I think as far as domestically, I think he's going to have a very positive message. I think he's going to go out there and he's going to push social security reform. He's going to push fiscal responsibility. He's going to uh, try to reform corporate America. I, you know, I think that is going to be appealing to people. And if Iraq wasn't going on right now, maybe more people would pay attention to that. But again, Iraq, 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 Iraq. That is what 2008 is going to be about. That's going to be that's going to be the major barrier in front of him. But but I'm still holding by my statement that I think that it is it is possible he could win. If there was ever a year, <laughs> this is the 2008. I disagree. I disagree. Unless, okay, unless he changes his bumper sticker from unmarried like Nader, Jewier than Perot, to Bloomberg 08, he'll buy you a pony. <laughs> I'd, I'd vote for the man. <laughs> I want a pony. Or Bloomberg 08, obscene times call for obscene wealth. It's yeah. a winner. He could make us all well. It's a winner. Maybe that's what a Bloomberg presidency would do. <laughs> oh, but speaking of Mitt Romney, though. Yeah, speaking, of, him spe- up. speaking of obscenely wealthy people, okay. Mitt Romney. Now, you remember the vacation movies, right? Yes. The first vacation movie where they tie the— Chevy Chase, National right. Lampoon, classic. Where they, where they tie the dead grandmother to the <laughs> top of the roof. Well, you and, can, you can and, and let's also not forget the scene where they leave the dog tied to the bumper— 
Oh, I forgot about that one. Which is a more appropriate segue to what we're about to talk about. Because, well, Romney (laughs) tied his live live dog. (laughs) One thing, if it was a dead dog, I mean, you know, whatever. You tie it to the roof, you don't want to smell the stench in the the car. But yeah. um, Tied his live dog to the roof while they took a 12-hour road trip with the family up to Canada. Yep. And by and the this, way, and this is not bullshit. I mean, the uh, oh no no, Time, in, Time Magazine is reporting. No, this. in fact, Romney's campaign itself actually told this story because they thought it was a funny little anecdote because the dog got so stressed out it diarrheaed all over the windshield. <laughs> and Romney, though, well, we we had a little bit of a mess that we had to clean up while we were driving to Canada. And uh, funny thing, funny thing about that. On top of it, just being you know torturing the dog for twelve hours, and that's why, why it lost pos- bowel control. Why would he possibly think that it would be funny to tell the American <laughs> public that he tied a live dog to the that top of his car? Because uh, him being a registered varmint hunter for all of his life uh. didn't really uh, click. <laughs> With the every man in the Republican Party, so he said, "Okay, I'll go for you know the uh, the Ward Cleaver sort of uh, befuddled dad thing. That'll play with the 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 housewives in America, the same people that watch the shitty CBS family comedies. Oh, these... We'll just tell this anecdote where the dog shit on my windshield and I had to clean up. But the funny thing about that story is is that it is illegal in Massachusetts, which he drove through on the way there to strap a live animal to your car." <laughs> So he might have violated the law, and he might have just confessed this in a public forum. I'm sure it'd only be you know get fined like a ticket or something. But still, Mitt Romney, this Mitt Romney tortures guy. dogs, wears funny Freemason underwear. This Mitt Romney guy <laughs> is really turning out to be a weirdo. I you know I, it, it is just amazing to me that anybody takes him seriously. But he's leading in Iowa, leading in Iowa, leading in New Hampshire. You know, uh, you realize that it's a very, very real possibility that, that Mitt Romney, Romney might is be. going to represent the Republican Party in 2008. And he will get slaughtered. Oh, in God, I hope so. He would. Um, and that's the funny thing because, well, here's the thing about polls this early out in the election. Well, and they mean nothing. They mean nothing. It's a, Although you would think that at this early – and national polls, yes. Uh, it's all about name recognition. That's why Hillary Clinton and Rudy Giuliani hold leads in the national polls. Right. Because it's just name recognition. Everybody knows who they are. They've heard their names before. For comparison's sake, in 2003, the Democratic candidate who was leading the national polls was Joe Lieberman <laughs> because he had the highest name right, ID right. Uh, from 2000. So these things change. Once you get past September – well, obviously. Uh, when, that's I mean, when the campaign kicks into Well, gear. and look at Howard Dean. I mean, and Howard Dean took off. The, uh, right example time. right there. Yeah, and he, he held the lead and for so out. long, and then just all of a sudden you yeah. just lose it. And yeah, and which, which is, but, but which just goes to show that's the importance of polling in early primary states like Iowa and New Hampshire. And who's ahead in the early states, people, the media's not paying attention to this, but uh, Romney has a fairly sizable lead in Iowa in the Republican side, and John Edwards has... Not a significant lead, but a, a solid enough lead in Iowa that, you know, if these trends hold, which I don't think that they will, but if they hold, if the election were held right now, Edwards and Romney would be the nominees, which is just kind of bizarre because that's not a scenario that's ever been talked about in the mainstream media. But well, if you I look think, at the polling, that's what I think. Up. I think Edwards, I mean, you know. Hillary holds a, a sizable lead, but I think a lot of people realistically know that Edwards could 
Could be president in 08. The only firewall that Hillary has is that she has, like, a huge, like, gazillion point lead in New Hampshire. But your Howard Dean analogy is true because Dean had a massive lead in New Hampshire, Right, but I mean, unlike Dean, though, I don't think that Hillary's going to go out there and just blow it in one speech. Well, Dean lost it when he lost Iowa. Uh, this this scream wouldn't have made a difference. But, but I think I think what could happen to Hillary is is that as time goes on, there's going to be a lot of questions about whether she's electable or not. Yeah, and that's and true. I think and I think that once Democrats really sit back and reflect on that, you know, will people vote for a woman? Is you know we shouldn't really be talking about that in two. They would. They just might but, not vote for this woman. Yeah, there's so many people out there that just. Dis- buys her that and we've talked about this before but it's it's almost to me like if you want to rally the republican base regardless of who they nominate the, having hillary clinton represent the democratic party is going to bring every republican from the from everywhere out to vote against <laughs> not just nece- to oppose her well not even necessarily to vote for republican just to yeah exactly just her. to to oppose her once the democrats sit back there and think about that I don't know. You might see a significant change. I think that she I think that she would win president if she were the nominee. The problem that democratic activists have right now and the worry is that she will kill democratic candidates down the ticket, like those running for Senate and House. Uh, because she is so polarizing that independents who might be inclined to vote democratic and vote straight Democratic, if they saw her name at the top of the Democratic right. ticket and they have such a visceral reaction to her, they will not vote any Democratic. Right. So a lot of a lot of down-ticket Democratic candidates are grumbling, and they're concerned that if Hillary becomes the Democratic nominee, she might kill the Democrats' chances of expanding their leads in the Senate and the House. Right. Well, and let's look at her issues as well, too. I mean, as Iraq gets worse— and then, and other things get worse as and, well. And, and I mean, if she I'm not still sure refuses people, to apologize yeah. for her vote and to say that she would still vote yeah, the same I mean, way I, she would now that could, she did then. You to, could certainly see a lot of people turn on her. Yeah. I don't know. It's way too early to tell. And But the one thing about Clinton is that she has a campaign machine that is unrivaled. She has a national machine that she began building when her husband was still in office and that she has been building ever since uh, she's been in the Senate and now and she has this huge uh, almost flawless it's it's just a storied campaign machine however they keep doing weird ass things that occasionally trip them up and for example they released a online ad a few weeks ago that was oh, a direct parody of the, the, the Sopranos, Sopranos finale. Yes, yes, and it raised several eyebrows <laughs> because uh, for those, why, why are you comparing yourself to a <laughs> to a mob mobster, boss yeah. yes. when you know? Every right-wing hatchet man has been saying that about you and your family and your Arkansas gang for the past dozen years. Well, you want to talk about crimes and misdemeanors. Let's <laughs> let's not yes. exclude. Let's, let's let's raise the shadow of organized crime well, let's by not, directly drawing a parallel between you and Tony Soprano. Let's not uh, exclude the Clintons. They committed plenty of crimes and misdemeanors in their day. So uh, that's debatable. Not pleasant people, but um, I'm just 
it it just boggles me. I mean, in a way, I kind of admire her balls. And one thing you can say about Hillary, she's what? got balls. Well, I was going to say, she's got huge she balls. Has balls. <laughs> I mean, she has, she has the balls to like go out there and just unabashedly make this sort of tongue in cheek uh, parody of uh, you know a very violent adult polarizing television show about you know hired contract killers and organized crime. Uh, I I. I I'm just waiting now for her to draw inspiration from other adult-themed HBO shows. Like Maybe. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for her Deadwood parody, her Oz it, parody. It, oh, oh yes. yes. Where, where she, <laughs> <laughs> we could. You can only imagine what that would be yeah. like. Yeah, so her Oz parody, where she ends up sodomizing Rudy Giuliani yes. and crucifying him <laughs> to a gymnasium floor, or her Deadwood parody in which she says "cocksucker" 137 times. Well, she probably in 60 says, seconds. She probably says "cocksucker." Oh, you know, all the like, time. I'm just waiting for the open mic moment when yes. she just unfurls and starts well, swearing like a sailor. Maybe this is her uh, Howard Dean moment. No. In nah, fact, it, it actually, I think, endeared her to a lot of people because it showed a sense of humor. Mm. And she's not known for that. Yeah, it's true. It was just, although she, it, it still wasn't funny, so it was just kind of weird. Speaking of Edwards, though, did you happen to see the, de- well, I don't call it a debate, but a <laughs> shouting match between Ann Coulter and uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Edwards. Edwards. I, I, did I see found that. it. I found it very amusing. It um, was just. I mean, I on hardball. First of all, I don't know why Chris Matthews would give Ann Coulter an hour uninterrupted like that because she's she's a reprehensible human being. Well, she is, <laughs> and. The, well, the things the she reason, says are indefensible, right. and the things she says are just designed to get her media attention, and Chris Matthews is just playing into it. And the second thing I don't understand is why Elizabeth Edwards decided to engage her. Well, yeah, that's what I really don't know. Well, there's a lot of debate about that. I mean, they, the, the theory floating around out there is that they she did this to sort of energize the Edwards campaign. Oh, they raised a lot of money off of uh, Coulter's comments in the past and currently. Kinda, but, I mean, Coulter, she said that she was, what, happy? That their sixteen-year-old son died. Uh, I don't know if she said exactly that, but but uh, something along those lines. She wish. I think she did wish that John Edwards had was died killed in a, in a terrorist, terrorist attack. attack. Yeah, and she did. Make, she made and she called him a of, faggot. Let's not yeah. forget that Ann Coulter called John Edwards a faggot. And she, she made some, and she of, did it on the same stage that uh, Mitt Romney was speaking yes. on later. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, Ann Coulter. You know, Ann Coulter's is one of those figures that if you ignore her, she goes away. Yeah. And what I don't and especially somebody like Chris Matthews, who is more of a, uh, oh, I don't know, liberal leaning talk show yeah. host. Or, uh, but, know, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I actually understand why Matthews had her on because she's actually good for controversy and controversy equals ratings. But I, I again, I, I just think that Elizabeth Edwards has so much goodwill built up towards her because of her struggle with cancer. And the fact that she is actually a very brilliant and accomplished woman, right. uh, that she would actually kind of lower herself <laughs> and talk directly to yeah, Ann Coulter was know. kind of confusing. They should have sent somebody else out to do that. In my opinion, but uh, uh, well, but you know, Ann Coulter sort of uh, in an interview afterwards uh, did just say, "Well, I just you know, I'm just joking when I say that it was cool that their 16 year old son." Died. I was just, I was just, I was just joking when I said that I wanted uh, John Edwards to die in a terrorist. Like, what does she have against John Edwards? Why, why specifically target him? Uh, I guess is one of my questions. He's an easy target because he's pretty and he's rich, mm-hmm. so. Uh, the Republicans 
see rank hypocrisy in his efforts to help the poor because he has money. Um. <laughs> I don't really see the argument myself, but whatever. Um, Ann Coulter, though, she's uh, – I don't know. She was looking pretty good in that interview, I must say. You, you do know that she's a dude, right? Uh. You've seen her Adam's apple. In fa- and even worse, you've seen her moose knuckle. Moose, I've seen her moose knuckle. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't have a cavil toe. Yeah. She's got a moose knuckle. <laughs> that makes a sucking sound. <laughs> Speaking of things that suck, yeah. hey, Aaron, what doesn't suck this week? Well, I have, I guess, two things. Uh, first off, I've never been into reality shows. Mm. And, and, you know, mostly I make fun of people that watch reality shows, but I have found a reality show that I like. Uh, it's called Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. I, I don't I don't miss it at this point. It is hilarious. And I love the British guy who just, all he does. Chef Ramsay. Chef Ramsay, who just screams and just belittles these guys. I mean, <laughs> every they have to bleep out much of what he says. Yes. And he makes them cry, and he makes them pass out. There was, no, there was one guy, a big fat guy. He, he got so stressed out. He passed out and had to be taken to the hospital. And then Ramsey, cold-ass bastard that he is, kicked him off the yeah, show while the him, guy was in the hospital. Called him from his hospital bed <laughs> and said, you are not allowed to come back. <laughs> That's cold as ice, baby. That's cold as ice. Uh, oh, speak, but, speaking uh, of ice. My other thing that doesn't suck is uh, is the caffeine addict that I am. Um, I was always very fond of Monster Energy drinks. Very good. Well, they have a new line of Monster drinks out now, which is a it's a it's a coffee kind of half coffee half energy drink. I guess if you want to call it that. It's God. It is fantastic. It sounds so awful. It's coffee. I think it says on the bottle, coffee plus energy. You know what that is? That's explosive diarrhea in a can mm. that's basically just seeping bowels in a it's, 20 it's ounce can it's explosive diarrhea in a can it's uh it's heart heart, palpita- atta- ha- ha- heart palpitation heart attack in a can it's it's a lot of things that's uh hey whatever gets you through the day man i'd oh, rather speaking speaking of coffee i do have to make this point uh, <laughs> I, generally i drink coffee when we do this podcast yeah. and generally i uh I won't name the coffee you you shop. you you frequent one of the local I establishments one here of in the Lawrence. Local, exactly, I frequent one of the local coffee shops, but um, I I have decided to go corporate because it's <laughs> better and they take my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, I mean it's is in fact they might give us money if we uh, Seattle's best coffee See, is yes. what we're drinking right now. Uh, in fact, Seattle's, tasty cup of Joe. Yeah, um, it is. And so if you ever. If you're ever in the if Borders you, area, downtown Lawrence. If you're, if you're ever questioning corporate coffee, um, <laughs> go local and then go to Seattle. Yes, and, you can drink and, both. And if you can honestly, with a straight face, sit there and tell me that you like the local coffee better, bag your line. More power to you. Yeah. Uh, but my things that don't suck, right around the corner, 4th of July, great, great holiday. Celebrate our independence. Get to blow things up, set things on fire. It's just a fantastic time in which, under the guise of patriotism, we light Chinese-made gunpowder and overfeed ourselves with nitrate-laden sausages and other meat products. All for Uncle Sam. 
And we drink a lot of beer. And we drink a shitload of beer. Like at least a case. Yes. And God bless America. And God bless cirrhosis. So, okay, that's uh, my sort of yin and yang things that don't suck. Fourth of July, where you set things on fire. Hoorah. Celebrate the independence of your country by blowing up a small bit of it. Uh-huh. And my, my sort of uh, polar opposite to that however, still related, is the smoking ban here in Lawrence was upheld by the Kansas Supreme Court, <laughs> which snuffs out the flame, and God, I, I love the smoking ban. I, I, have, I have flip-flopped on that issue. Oh, have you now? Yes. Well, when they first introduced the smoking ban, I was very much against it because I really felt that it was going to hurt a lot of, uh, especially uh, more... I don't know local bars, if you yeah, want to call yeah. it that. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I thought that there was just kind of a big ruse to just kind of put bars out of business, mm-hmm. and I was opposed to it. Um, but that didn't really happen. I don't think that there's really been any bar that I know of that no. is closed due directly to the smoking. There ban. hasn't been one. Um, but they might have claimed is, that, but it was generally because of poor business management. But, but now it's just kind of nice to go into a bar and, and not come out smelling, smelling like, like Joe Camel's asshole. And you know what? Your your friends that smoke, especially this time of the year, you go outside and your friends that smoke want to go outside and smoke, and you sit down, especially at some place like the Replay or Louise's or you know, there's several places. Any place with the patio. Yeah. It's kind of nice and enjoyable to sit outside. Yeah, and you know you didn't really do that back in the day because one, there weren't really any patios built at any of these places and i don't know and this is this is just an example of uh uh sort of survival of the fittest corporate darwinism adapt or die yeah if you didn't already have a patio get one right and those that did are flourishing right now. So I, I admit that I, I flip-flopped. So. See, okay. But See, if I ever – we, ever... we've, had, we've had this great sort of uh, open and honest discussion of our, of our past mistakes. I was mistaken for supporting Nader. You were mistaken for opposing the smoking ban. Yes. So we – see, we're big men. We're honest men. We, we know our limitations. And the limitation that I have to impose right now is that we're way over time and we All have right. to end the show. Right. So I'd like to thank everybody for joining us this week. I'd like to thank Aaron for returning. Yeah, where is Galen, by the way? Galen, he- Galen's still in deep cover. Actually, he's waiting in line to buy me an iPhone right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so but, he, did, he got out of prison, right? Yes, Galen's okay. actually uh, – he, he did post-bond. Okay, good, uh, good. However, if he goes within 100 yards of a schoolyard again, <laughs> that will violate the, the terms of his probation. Back to jail for him. <laughs> yes. But, Aaron, thank you for joining us for uh, the second consecutive episode, which is rare that we've done yes. this. And uh, I have been Gavin. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Feel free to email us. It's poundingthepundit at yahoo.com. Leave comments at lawrence.com. Be our buds www.myspace.com backslash punditocracy. Have you been getting any friend requests from any of our Hell listeners? Yeah. A lot I of skanky been. models who I've never heard of who just want me to be their friends. However, apparently MySpace's limitations on pornography prevent them from posting the really raunchy photos, so I have to visit their MSN oh, that's page. that's ridiculous. Yes. They're real people, and they're hurting. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they are. <laughs> and on that note, I'm about to jerk off to internet porn. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining oh, us. Yeah, I need to leave the room, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, I'll be sponging the walls later. Right. Bye-bye.